Welcome to Prim and Proper. I'm Elizabeth Hathaway. And I'm Marinella Mazzucato. Oh, Marinella, by the time this episode is live, you and I are going to be together. I know. Physically, in the same space. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is not our coming out episode together. It's just us being in the oh. same. <laughs> just for clarity. <laughs> this is what's happening. Yeah. I'm still straight, unfortunately. Yeah, and we're still best friends. We don't fuck that up anyway. No, 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 no. Uh, But I am so excited. We are doing our annual girls weekend away, and we'll be in Charleston, Mm -hmm. South Carolina. Yeah. You have not been there before, have you? No, I haven't. I've been... The only place I've been to in South Carolina, I think, was Myrtle Beach. Like, that used to be, like, our Connecticut vacation. Like, ooh, we're going to go real south, guys. We're going to go to Myrtle (laughs) Beach. Florida's too far. (laughs) (laughs) It's, like, the opposite. I feel like when I lived in Florida, we were like, let's go to Tennessee or North Carolina for vacation. Yeah. Um, There's something about that, like, middle America that... I guess it's just drivable by car, right? That's the... But yeah, I have not been to Charleston either. I'm very excited to try the food. I'm very excited to be in the Atlantic Ocean again. Uh, and most importantly, I'm excited to see you and our girlfriends. Yeah, me too. It's been a long... I mean, mm. it's been a long time since... Well, there's still two missing, but it's like... Yeah. It's hard to get us all in one spot now, but eventually I think it'll it'll definitely happen through our... 50s 40s and 50s is gonna be like yeah we're all going for sure i mean the only reason the two that are missing can't be here is they both have had children in the last year and you know got to be taking care of those babies because we're we're pro-life here yes we're pro-life we're pro your child's life we're we're in Uh, before we get started, a uh, bit of housekeeping. I mentioned this last week, but we do have an email set up, which is primandproperpod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. And I'm mentioning it because at the end of the month, our last June episode is going to be Ask a Lesbian, mm-hmm. where I will be asking Marinella all of your questions you have for a lesbian. We have already gotten a couple of emails in. You have not seen those questions yet. No, I need to be surprised. I need to be on the fly, I think. If I think <laughs> through them too much, I may not deliver the truth. Yeah, so if you haven't already emailed us and you have a burning question that you've always wanted to ask a lesbian or just, you know, perhaps even a question for our Marinella, uh, shoot us an email there. And we also have an Instagram account, which I linked last time. I figured out how to do that. Are you so proud of me? I linked it in our episode notes. You you hit copy paste on that? What? I did. <laughs> I have an employee that can't do that still, so, you know. Three years in. I did have okay. to uh, have you send it to me because I didn't know how to find it. <laughs> That's okay. And I, I wasn't able to share the pride flag raising because not that I'm insulted by this, but they literally were like, no, you just pulled the cord. You're not in the shot. <laughs> oh. They had somebody else like who prepared something like very in-depth that wanted to say something. And I just pulled the flag and it just like rose behind her. There is one, like, little angle of me, like, when I finally get to, like, the part where I can be close to the pole, where I just look like I'm struggling. So, 
So I didn't I didn't share that, but I am starting to share more things related to our posts. Yay. Well, I'm managing the email account and I trust your amazing skills on Instagram. Thank you. Uh, I think that's all the housekeeping we have for today. And yeah. we're going to get into our topic. We are talking about our favorite queer people. Yes. Do you want to kick us off? I will kick us off. Um, I'm going to pick as my very close to my heart favorite is uh, Dan Levy, yes. the creator of Shit's Creek. Probably my favorite show um, that I've ever watched. I just love it. And Ew, Marinella. <laughs> David. <laughs> um, it just, um, it's such a good show. And he himself, like, I think for somebody to just like, put it all out there they, they didn't think that the show was going to do very well but like he was very honest about I guess like you don't see a lot of gay relationships on TV that are kind of like normalized and that show made me feel like they made it show the reality of like what it's like to be in a relationship as a gay person is totally the same as with everybody else like you know they still wanted the same things they still had the same career aspirations to like grow together and I think that show did it for me and I just loved him after that totally I also appreciated that as far as I can remember and I have seen the entire series David being gay was never a source of conflict like everyone in the town accepted him yeah there was never like somebody who is prejudiced against him for that reason his family was accepting and loving of him like they all had their funny shit that they like you know gave each other shit over i'm just gonna keep saying the word shit since it's in the title of the show yeah uh but i love that they because i feel like for so long if you did see a gay character depicted in a you know tv show or a movie their storyline was often around them like not being accepted by their family or their friends or the community or whatever and like that was the only storyline they were given and to your point I guess I love that it's just that's not the conflict they find other avenues of like conflict and tension and humor uh and then he does he just finds a very loving relationship i guess spoiler alert but if you haven't seen Shit's creep what are you doing with your life yeah you know just put it on i watch it repeatedly it got me through like a really tough time in my life and i'm just like this show is just home and i like how i mean not to put too much spoiler alert like he kind of describes his sexuality as like fluid you know, he doesn't really mm-hmm. limit, I guess, what he would label himself. And he's very, in the show, you would assume, like, from a mile away, he'd be like, that guy's 100% gay, down to the way he dresses. And it's just kind of nice to see that sometimes mm-hmm. that stuff is not, like, a dead giveaway guarantee of what somebody is attracted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and his partner is someone who presents and expresses themselves differently and mm-hmm. what you would like what we would say is a more you know quote unquote typical guy look yeah um, you know and so that's also kind of nice to show yeah I just right like 
the, it's normalizing something that should be completely normal, but unfortunately has not been treated that way in the real world or in the media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. He, and he does it with his dad on the show, too. That's also nice to know. That's like, or his sister is in the show as well. Yeah, Twyla, the yeah. Uh, server at the, who I love, I won't, again, I will not spoil anything, but I love the final reveal of Twyla at the end. Yeah. Um, I think you know what I'm talking about, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, how did you feel when they swept the Emmys, their final season? Uh, I felt like it was justified 100%. I was like, yep, you win. Yeah, they were, uh, I mean, they're all so amazing. I love Catherine O'Hara. I was so happy she played the mom. She's fucking phenomenal. They were all great. Um, I was, the only thing that was sad about it was that it wasn't, it was like the COVID Emmys. So they were all, like, they were all together, but um, it, it wasn't, like, all in one location. Everyone was remote in their separate locations. So yeah. That was the only bummer. Yeah, if they did more seasons, I think they would continue to kill. But they they were firm on, for now, that's what they're going to put out. Yeah, I, I appreciate, though, a show that doesn't, just because you can keep going doesn't mean you should. And I do think there's something to ending on a really high note. And they definitely did that. Like, you're not, you know, sometimes I watch shows and you start getting to the later seasons and you kind of want to give up and you're like at what point do I not care how the story ends and that's not at all what Shit's Creek is like you very much care to the last minute so deeply about the story and you're like don't don't leave me yeah don't end now I fantasize about what they're doing now in my own mind I'm like how are they doing who knows well, I love it. And I'm also going to start off. My first two are semi-personal as well. But the first one is the Wachowski sisters, creators, writers, directors, producers of The Matrix. If you're my friend. I, I kind of thought you might. This, <laughs> yeah, right. Shocker. <laughs> shocker. Um, yeah, if you are my friend or if you've even listened to a couple of episodes of this podcast, I probably have found a way to work in the matrix to our conversation. Um, I just love it. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, and yeah, so I can't not love the women who created it. Uh, so they are both trans women. And when they wrote the matrix, neither one had transitioned yet. And I didn't actually know this initially. I learned it a couple of years ago. Do you remember the character Switch in The Matrix? Yeah. It was depicted as a woman who kind of had an androgynous look, like a short haircut. And when she was in The Matrix, she wore a white suit. I guess their original concept for Switch was that I forget if it was she would be a woman in the matrix, but a man outside of the matrix. But the original mm -hmm. concept was basically she'd be a different gender, depending if she was inside the matrix or outside the matrix. And the Wachowskis have both come out to say that, like, they conceptualized switch kind of as they were starting to question their gender identity. And they were very much coming from a perspective of like a binary 
gender uh, situation. And so I always thought that was so interesting. That's why Switch is called Switch. But Warner Brothers, the studio, nicks that idea. So that's why Switch is portrayed by the same actor, both inside the Matrix and outside. Was it, you think, too much for that time for them to go for it? Like they were like, ooh, this is a little... Not really, though. Yeah, I don't know because I don't even necessarily think they said that Switch is transgender or like they weren't, Mm. I don't think, trying to insinuate anything like that. At least what I've seen online, Warner Brothers seemed concerned that like audiences would be confused and like not realize it was the same character like they would think it was a different character um at least that's what i found online i you know i don't know who knows why they really did it i mean i'm not like here to defend warner brothers studios like they're some (laughs) like great company i'm sure that they've made tons of horrible decisions uh but yes uh it was next and so that's not the version we saw Uh, but i know that a lot of the trans community loves the matrix because of that Um, Because they just feel like it was a way for them to add language to what they were trying to understand about themselves, right? Because I think it's probably, sure, it's a bit of a process coming to understand your identity and who you are. And so I think a lot of the trans community loves the Matrix because it gave them some language around, around that. Yeah. Well, I didn't even think about the Matrix in that way until now. Like how big that, yeah. Blow your mind. Take your red pill. I'm gonna rewatch the Matrix. We're watching the Matrix in in Charleston. That's what's happening. I mean, I won't say no. Obviously. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know if you recall a few. I don't know. Maybe about a month ago now, I told you how the Wachowskis were doing an auction and they were auctioning off a bunch of stuff from their movies, including the Matrix to raise money for trans youth and on the auction site it gave you like a list of all the things they were auctioning and what the estimated like what they thought they would go for and so I submitted a form and I was willing to pay double of what the estimate was Uh I was nowhere fucking close most of the matrix stuff went for tens of thousands of dollars which oh yeah you know like part of me was soul crushed because I was not in a position to be spending that type of money but I couldn't be that soul crushed because it was all going to support trans youth so it was such a good cause yeah I'd have to assume that whatever people bought was mostly because they wanted to do that much donating I would think but maybe some of the stuff is really that it means a lot to a lot of people that they would pay that much anyway but I don't know I know. I think it's, they were like, I'm going to donate to a good cause, damn it. And I'm getting a prop. Right. Yep. Yep. But sadly, I still do not own a piece of Matrix memorabilia. I still have hope, though. I think both sisters live at least part-time in Chicago, actually somewhere close to me. I'm not sure exactly where they live, but I know that their studio was in their old studio, which they sold a couple years ago, was in Ravenswood, which is the neighborhood I'm in. 
Um, and supposedly one of them has been at the coffee shop that I frequent. So <gasps> fingers still crossed. I get a sighting one day. It's my dream. Oh my God. You get a sighting. You give him a mug. Oh, don't I'm, even maybe? hesitate. Yes, I should. Absolutely. <laughs> I just carry around a prim and proper mug at all times so that I can be prepared <laughs> to give it to Lily or Lana if I run into them. Although they should really listen first before they get it. Never mind. Only if you're listening. I mean, they might be someone I'm willing to make an exception. I'll give them my mug. <laughs> okay. You should sign it. Be like, here, I'll sign it for you. You don't like, know who I am. crazy person. We have a small startup podcast, but let me go ahead and sign this for you. <laughs> oh. Gotta manifest it. <laughs> As they say. Oh, oh my, oh my. Who do you got next? Um, uh, Along those lines, my next person is Elliot Page. Yes. Because I feel like they are probably one of the most confident people out there to have gone through coming out the way that they did. And I guess, like, as a lesbian, everyone just was so sure that Elliot was... A, just a lesbian you would never think anything else and I think a lot of times when a, a woman goes from female to male mm-hmm. you, people wonder does that make that person a straight person now and I think Elliot Page was kind of was kind of not not quick to answer that because obviously they had relationships with women and they could have easily said, okay, yeah, now I'm a straight person because I identify as male now. But they kind of just were like, you know what? I'm not really going to even go down that road. I'm just going to focus on being who I am and not really worry about my sexual orientation. And for me, that was kind of like the nice separation where people don't always understand that your sexual orientation and how you identify are actually completely nothing to do with each other. Yeah, I do think people group them together and it is a shame because it's it's you should seek to better understand it. I'm by no means an expert in the area, but you should seek to understand those differences and and appreciate them. And I also think, you know, we want to it I think our brains like to label things and we like to be able to put things neatly into categories, but I don't know that that's how human existence works, right? Like we mm-hmm. all don't fit into perfect little buckets of straight or gay or woman or man. Like that's just, it'd be, sure, it'd be simple and easy if we all fit nice and neatly into those little buckets. But I don't really think that that's how any of this works. No, and I think so many people like saw Elliot Page as like, this attractive woman that it's just like it was that much more for them to grasp and you know even down to you know Caitlyn Jenner it's like that was I I mean I heard people my my friend who's in his 60s now he's like no you don't understand like Bruce Jenner was every dude's hero back in the day and now like it's like that dream is gone and I'm just like you don't know anything about who Bruce Jenner was before it's just a person on a screen, you know? So these people kind of still have lives outside of what's shown on the screen. Right. Like that little sliver 
of insight you get to their life is not the whole of who they are. Um, well, I yeah. also love Elliot Page. Um, uh, you know, behind Matrix, but certainly up there as far as one of my favorite movies to watch when I'm stoned is Inception. And he, yeah. he is great in it, uh, as is the whole cast. Um, and I also love Juno. I haven't watched it in a while, but that is a real great indie classic. That is a that was a hilarious movie. So hilarious. Yeah. If I if I had to be honest, like when I first saw that, I thought I had a girlfriend at the time, Jill, that looked very much like Elliot Page as a, as when it was I don't even remember what Elliot Page's last name used to be. No clue. Ellen Page, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's correct. Well, Jill looked a lot like Elliot or Ellen Page, and I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm, like, dating the, the lesbian that I actually want to be dating. That's on the TV screen. It was, like, a thing in my brain. I made that connection. Like, I really thought, I was like, she looks so much like her. But it was oh. just a side story. It was my small fantasy came true for a moment. <laughs> for a moment. This is the same Jill yeah. of your coming out story, right? It was the same Jill, yeah. She's... She's around. Mm. I should see what Jill's up to these days. Let well, her know how not. out and proud I am. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I got the whole gay thing out. It's like very clear. Um, what's up? <laughs> you should send her a picture of you hoisting the pride flag at work. <laughs> yeah, I definitely should. Sure, my track record of ladies. Oh, well... My next one is, like I said, also a personal one. It's the original cast of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Remember that gem back mm -hmm. in the early 2000s? Oh, yeah. I, I wrote down their yeah. names because admittedly I couldn't recall them all, but it's Carson Tom with the H. T-H-O-M, Tom. Tom, yes. Ted Allen, who I think you have to say Ted Allen. You can't just say Ted. Uh, Kyan yeah. and Jay. But the reason why they're on my list is so back when Charlie, Hurricane Charlie hit her hometown, the Herald Avenue softball and baseball fields where I grew up playing Little League were destroyed in the hurricane. And Queer Eye did an episode in Port Charlotte and they redid the five players from the Boston Red Sox, or I think it was four players from the Boston Red Sox who had just won the World Series that same year that the hurricane hit. And like the Boston Red Sox, that 2004 team, they were the team that broke like the 86 year curse of the Bambino. They were the team that I grew oh, yeah. up watching and loving. But like their whole thing throughout the season was like they started growing out their hair. So they were all scraggly and like beards and long hair and just they were in need of some some grooming. So they were like perfect to be on the show. But they did it in Port Charlotte twofold because I, th I think they filmed it during spring training of that year in the Red Sox spring train not too far from where you and I grew up. Um, but they also rebuilt the fields. So the Queer Eye, like their production, spent money and had all the fields in Port Charlotte rebuilt. And I think the Red Sox also contributed. So both of them contributed to rebuilding the fields that I grew up playing on. And so 
for that, I will be forever grateful to them. I had no idea that they did that. Mm-hmm. The episode, I looked up the, the title of the episode because I couldn't rem- <laughs> like I remember the title of the episode. Come on, I'm not that good. Uh, it's called Championship Make Better, Boston Red Sox. Yeah, it, air- it aired in 2005, but they, re- they rebuilt the fields and they filmed the episode earlier than that. Sometime, I yeah, because I think when was it? Two thousand four was a hurricane. Two thousand four was the hurricane, and it was after the Red Sox won the World Series because they did. I think it was that spring training, so I think it was like February, March, that they rebuilt the fields and filmed the episode. And they like filmed out there too, which is like crazy because I was like, those are the fields I. I wonder where they hung out. I wonder where th- I I have to know if they went to Charlotte's Web. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Because that's all they could do. <laughs> oh my God! I do wonder where they stayed and hung out. I also don't know how long. I have to imagine it's probably like a couple of days of filming, right? Yeah, they probably like mm, we're gonna stay in Fort Myers. We're not about <laughs> to stay in this place. <laughs> There's nothing to do. There's a place called Denny's Hooters. That's weird. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, that'll be oh. such a loud noise that I won't be able to edit out. Oh, no. What, I dropped what my is it, a um, earpiece. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, listeners are used to, you know, the random background noises, like the rain in the last I'm in episode. a different room. I'm in a different room, so I don't know how the acoustics are going to be. I hope there's not any echo. We're going to find out. Oh, no. We'll, we'll figure it out. If it sounds like a dance hall in the beginning, you know it was me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, who do you have next on your list? Um, next on my list, I have RuPaul Charles. Yeah. I mean, how could you not? I know. I don't know how you could. That was probably my first exposure to seeing like a gay man on TV and understanding that um, drag was a thing. Mm-hmm kind of looking back I am semi amazed at the way RuPaul was able to become so mainstream you know yeah. like I feel like there are so many barriers to the success that RuPaul was able to make because um, he was well she RuPaul was um on like spring break MTV or something wasn't that some of the earlier stars yeah. like back in the I late 90s so. or mid 90s early 2000s maybe yeah I mean the first time I ever saw RuPaul I think it was when I watched but I'm a cheerleader have you ever seen that movie no oh it's it's like kind of like I think a lot of lesbians watch it when they're kind of starting to question their sexuality, but it's about Mm -hmm. a cheerleader who starts to have like feelings for like this like gothy kind of girl and like RuPaul's in it and it's, I think RuPaul's plays um, like a coach or something in it, but as a man, not in drag at all, but I just think that was my first exposure to RuPaul and just thinking, okay, like these people are on tv there's obviously a movie about you know lesbianism and kind of trying to understand whether or not you are gay like that was probably the first time i didn't feel like totally excluded from the world Mm -hmm. and he was a big part of that movie so 
Nice. And now Drag Race is in how many countries? I don't know. That's a great show, too. I'm not sure. I'm going to look this up as we're talking. I got to know. Yeah. Let's see. Those... Those contestants on those shows are just like, I don't even know. Like, because the amount of money that you have to put in to just getting your look together for that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's pretty crazy. It's incredible. Everything that, I mean, the makeup, the, the routines, like whether they sing or do comedy or date, like it's, it's incredible. Okay. So I am on the Wikipedia page. Holy cow. I don't even... Let me see how many countries this... It's... Okay. It's a lot of countries. I don't think I can count them up at the moment. There's a lot of countries it's in, which is freaking amazing. And then there's spinoffs. I mean, an empire. RuPaul has started an empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How old is RuPaul? I don't know, but he looks fantastic for his age. That is all I have to say about yeah. that. Let's see. That I might be able to more easily find online okay 61 wow yeah yeah oh my gosh cory booker is rupaul's cousin i had no idea who's cory booker the, uh, senator he's a senator from new jersey that ran for president in 2020 god that would have been sweet i had no idea well, learn something new each day. You imagine the White House then? I think it'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, fabulous. Okay, my next person is Ronan Farrow. Are you familiar? Ronan Farrow. No. So he is Mia Farrow's son, the actress. Um, mm-hmm. He is a journalist, uh, gay man. And he is essentially the person, he would not say this because he is very humble, but he is essentially the person that brought down Harvey Weinstein. He um, got a bunch of the women who had been sexually abused or assaulted by Harvey Weinstein to go on the record with him. And there's a lot more of the story. There's actually quite a bit to the story, but uh, the... The short of it is he published their stories in The New Yorker, and that's what ultimately led to Harvey Weinstein's demise. Um, it also is what sparked the Me Too movement, the hashtag Me Too, and it got mainly women, but you know men as well who are victims of sexual abuse, violence, talking about um, those sorts of things within their own industries, so not just the entertainment industry. Uh, so yes, I very much am appreciative of him standing by those women. If you ever are interested in hearing more about how hard it was to get those stories published, because it was it, literally, it involves NBC killing the story. It involves... Um, an Israeli intelligence, a private intelligence service hired by Weinstein who stalked Ronan as well as I think some of the women and also worked to pressure the NBC executives to kill the story initially. Like it is 
batshit crazy how hard he had to fight to tell these women's stories. Um, but if you if you're interested in hearing a bit about like all of that, he has a book called Catch and Kill, but he also released a podcast, uh, Catch and Kill, that that details the whole. Yeah, the whole like how he found out about the stories, how he got the women to agree to tell them, all the obstacles and challenges that they all faced in order to, because it was like years to get those stories to print. Yeah, that must have been like difficult because obviously getting the story out protects these people from, you know, anything further happening, protects people in the future, but then you're also putting you know them in this dangerous spot with people with power and money which which weinstein had lots of um yep so yeah like i i think yeah i think that's a a lot that that's a story that a lot of people don't probably know about mm -hmm. myself included it's um like i said huge huge ronan farrow fan i love actually he still writes for the new yorker and he it started to cover more on um, these private intelligence firms that exist uh, because, well, he was, you know, followed by one. I say stalked. I'm sure that's not the correct legal term, but it feels like stalking if you're being f- followed by investigators from a private intelligence service. Yeah, I would call that stalking. That's fucking crazy. That's something everyone else would be arrested for. So, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yep. so Ronan Farrow, love you. Thank you. Yeah, you're the best. <laughs> um, my next person is Stephen Canals. Have you seen the show Pose? Oh, I've heard of it, but no, I'm not familiar with him. It's a great show. He's the writer for the show, and he actually doesn't have a lot of history um in like filmmaking or in writing or anything like that he was an lgbt um resource coordinator at a college for years and years and did like um you know ran their gay pride alliance and when he made this show it was basically to tell the story of what it's like to be what, what it was like to be um in an urban setting you know predominantly in the 80s when AIDS was starting to amp up and HIV was coming out and all of that and how much it impacted the black community and I think probably was the first time that that many trans people were represented on a TV show so he kind of like hit all these categories that don't really get shared very often and I mean the show is amazing it's I mean, you you cry, you laugh, it's entertaining. So I would say check that out. Yeah, and that show was on a couple years ago, right? It's not still currently on. Yeah, I don't know if it's on. I think it's if it wrapped up, but I was probably late to watching it. But mm. it, and it takes. Am I thinking of the right show where it takes place? I think in New York City, and kind of talks about like the underground, like trans and queer scene and. Um, yeah, like um, yeah, like having houses and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and safe places for those type of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that is the show. Yeah, I've a couple people have recommended it to me, and I just I've yet to watch it, but I will have to I'll have to check it out. Which, not to tangent, did yeah. you check out Heartstopper? I think you did. I did. Yeah, I think I finished all but one, but the last episode. Okay. 
So I won't. I will not yeah. spoil what happens. But what do you think so far? It's adorable. It's. I mean, so it's adorable, right? Yeah. It, it it describes young love like perfectly, and like you know, once again, how you can't pinpoint who's what, right? At any point. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and I think they've already been renewed for a couple of seasons, and they're gonna follow. You know, there's the two main guys who are like the focus of this season, um, and then I think it follows some of their friends more closely in the other seasons. And the word I was thinking of, I couldn't remember. We were like, anime or comic book. It was graphic novel. Graphic novel. Yeah. Apparently, Sarah B, along with probably everyone who listens to our podcast, was screaming that when I was like, what's the word? <laughs> um, someone remind me. <laughs> Pixar? I don't know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Of course, Sarah B got of it. Of course. She knows what's up with all the uh, cartoons and stuff She's because they're kids, too, now. I know. She's on top of it. Um, you have two more, right? Because I have one. So you want to go next? Yeah, uh, Kate McKinnon. Oh, What's up? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, like, who who can deliver such great comedy but Kate McKinnon? I just love her. And she she kind of, like, I think there was an award show where she, like, thanked Ellen for paving the way for mm-hmm. people like her to be able to be open about being gay. Um, so as much as she, like, can do a mean Ellen, she also has, like, you know, soft spot yeah. for... You know, people that helped her out too. Also, that concept of like wherever we are, we stand on the shoulders of the people that came before us, right? I also periodically, I don't know if you remember this, but the week, the the Saturday after Trump won the election back in 2016, you know how Kate McKinnon uh, did Hillary Clinton on SNL? It was yeah. also the week that, um, what's his name? Cohen that wrote Hallelujah um, I can't think of his mm-hmm. first name he passed away that week as well and the cold open is just Kate McKinnon as Hillary Clinton at a piano with the spotlight on her singing Hallelujah and then she has like one line at the end where she's like I'm going to be okay and we are too and I remember watching it you know after again like after this fucking asshole won the election and I just like (laughs) cried because I felt like Kate McKinnon and you know and SNL in general like that that moment was so needed and I would periodically like go back and listening to her just playing the piano and singing hallelujah as Hillary Clinton yeah yeah I mean god you forget that that happened and all this craziness Mm -hmm. now and how hard it was. I know. My God. But on a funnier note, can I tell you my favorite SNL skit is the ones where she plays being abducted by aliens. <laughs> where she's yeah, like, those are the best. My coot in my prune shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's, I don't think, like, she doesn't have to me. She doesn't have to do anything to be funny at all. No. Like, her everyday speaking. Like, I don't know how she... I don't know. It's a very attractive quality where I'd be like, I'd probably, like, lose my goddamn mind if Kate McKinnon walked past me. I'd be like, I've got to have you. You're 
You're too hilarious. You would just throw a prim and proper mug at her. You wouldn't even be able to speak. Just launch it in her general direction. Yeah, she wouldn't stand it and knock her out. Drag her to my home. I feel like so many of the SNL cast would break um, break character around her. Like, she's so goddamn funny. They were always, like, losing it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, she's a great one. Um. Well, on to another woman of comedy. Do you know Hannah Gadsby? Hannah Gadsby. Yes, I do. She's an Australian stand-up comic, and her most well-known like Netflix special is called Nanette, and I think she won the Emmy for it. And I don't know. I've heard people argue that it's not. It's it's certainly not traditional stand-up comedy. But I also, again, I hate that things have to fit nicely into some sort of bucket. That's just not how it works. Um, she talks a lot about like mental health in it. She talks about being a lesbian and non-gender conforming. And um, she also opens up about some really fucking traumatic things that have happened to her. Mm-hmm. And so she kind of takes you on a very emotional journey like you are laughing you cry then you laugh again like there's a lot of tension throughout the special both like comedic tension and then like the tension of you know something horrible like is about to happen or she's going to describe something horrible um but if you haven't seen it for any listeners who haven't i really recommend she has a follow-up on netflix called douglas that's good as well but nanette is just I've watched it a handful of times and I both laugh and cry just as hard every time. I think I need to watch that tonight because I could use both those things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, I, I I feel the need to be a little bit of a trigger warning. Like I said, there is some talk of some traumatic things that have happened to her because she lives in Tasmania, which I guess is very conservative part of Australia. I don't know anything about Tasmania, but it's conservative. And again, she's identifies as a lesbian and non-gender conforming. So, um, you know, just mm-hmm. be, I guess, be aware if you listen to it that there's some... Some stuff might be tough to hear. Yeah, yeah. for sure. But worth it. Nanette. That's what it was called, right? Yeah. What is that? What is that? Is that a name of something? That's. Uh, I believe so, and I'm actually struggling, but I think it's mentioned in the special because Douglas is also okay. her follow-up as a name to something. And I think okay. both of them, the name becomes apparent during the special, if I remember correctly, for both of them. Okay, just yeah. curious. I was like, this seems to be a possibly maybe her her real name. I don't know. Maybe whatever. No, not I, the stage name. No, I do actually think Hannah Gadsby is both her real name and stage name. Although I guess it's just a real name if your stage name is your real name, right? Is that how yeah. that works? I don't know. I don't know. Mine's very long. I avoid using the whole thing except for the beginning of this pod. I know you and I both have very long names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I try to get people to shorten it all the time, and they just they can't do it. I mean, I do call you Mayor. Yeah. Of East Town. I tried to get them to change it at Orange Theory, and they told me they couldn't. <laughs> They're like, no, it's in the billing. I was like, it's fine. And just, <laughs> it's just be easier for me to find my name on the screen, but it's okay. 
I I think I said I had six, but I actually only had five now that I'm looking at this. Oh, you're such a tease. Such a tease. But we are coming back. Maybe that's a perfect segue. We are coming back next week with a follow-up episode of some more of our favorite queer people. Yeah. Maybe we'll meet some in South Carolina and we can add to it. Oh, that'd be lovely. That'd be Yeah. Be wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um before we sashay away. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I have to make a RuPaul drag race reference. Nailed it. Well um, done. Anything else you want to say? The only thing I can say is it's it's getting harder and harder to narrow down the favorites because there are more and more. And that is something I am definitely grateful for. Indeed. And thank, I'm also grateful that there are now five Thursdays in June so that we can make sure that we get a part two of this. Yes, definitely. Well, I'll see you in a couple of days, boo. Oh, I can't wait. Yes. <laughs> see you then. <laughs> All right. Take care. All right. Bye.